Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Well, a very good Saturday morning to you. Uh, that call in says New York Vinny would mean that it's our time on the radio this Saturday morning. We thank you all for jumping on with us here at Drive Time Radio out there in Radio Land, and then of course. Internet land as well. Uh, we do this every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, get you up to date uh, in the world of cars and automotive and automotive lifestyle and uh, everything to do with uh, cruising on two wheels, four wheels, one wheel, you know, whatever has wheels or derivative thereof, because we would, of course, include the air car, uh, you know, the, the flying cars if they ever uh, come true. Although I hope I don't live to see that i think that would be uh, just a mess i mean you're asking for trouble with fly i mean could you imagine what the 405 would look like if uh if we had flying cars i mean you'd have people oh it would just be it would be i, I mean people would walk around with shards of metal in them uh, anybody that lived near near a freeway or near a flight path or whatever they want to call it please stop with the flying cars we're, we're, we don't need them we do not need flying cars. That that being said, what's flying this morning is a lot of words around the automotive world. As I'm sure you are aware by now, the uh, United Auto Workers Union and the manufacturers, the big three uh, from Detroit, the D3 as they like to call them, are on strike. Uh, selected plants have been hit by strike action by the United Auto Workers. There was no... Uh, negotiations yesterday. They are back at the table this morning. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get this thing straightened out uh, in the not too distant future. I do not think this is going to be a long strike. Now, I'm, I'm no uh, you know labor prognosticator or anything like that. I am familiar with the issues in this particular uh, case uh, because I've done a lot of reading and studying on them. And I just think that uh, that at some point here, cooler heads are going to prevail. The manufacturers uh, definitely have vehicles on hand uh, for the most part, so they can survive a couple of weeks without, uh, you know, I, I mean, some of the uh, manufacturers have uh, a two or three month supply of vehicles on hand. But it's not going to be goodwill for the industry and it's not going to be um not going to really be to anybody's benefit because the union people uh, the longer they stay out the less money they make uh, even though they get some strike pay it's nothing like what they make uh but they have a great point in that they need to share in the profits that these companies are making these companies are making record profits and the workers, the people that build the cars that they put out on the street, should share in those profits, especially workers that have given concessions uh, back to the companies over the last uh, 10 or 20 years, really, uh, you know, between bailouts and bankruptcies and sales and, and all the other stuff that has gone on in the American auto industry. Uh, you know, the workers have kind of gotten a shaft here over, and I know it's hard to say somebody making $32 an hour with full medical coverage is getting a shaft, but when you look at the whole package and what they're doing and what they're providing for the company, 
uh, you know, there could be there could be a more equitable situation. Uh, so the union president had a rally yesterday. Bernie Sanders was there. He was talking to to everybody and telling them that they're not only fighting for uh, auto workers, but they're fighting to keep the middle class in this country. I don't know how you feel about that, uh, but people I talk to, including myself and most people that I know that are in the middle class, which is uh, uh, most of the people I know, all kind of feel like the middle class in this country is disappearing. There's the haves and the have-nots. And the people who are scraping by paycheck to paycheck and the people who are uh, have unlimited resources and funds and make uh, you know a lot of money on the backs of the people who don't make a lot of money and that it should be a more equitable situation, whether that point will be made with the auto workers or the meat packers or the electrical workers or whichever union you want to uh, pick out. I think the auto workers are among the most visible workers in our country, and therefore their victory, if they can manage to work out a victory, uh, or at least a, a good compromise, will not only be good for the auto workers, but also good for the middle class in general. Now, you could also turn around and say, well, a higher wage is going to mean higher inflation, uh, more people... Um, you know, with more money will mean that the prices will go up, demands will go up. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But I do know that it is becoming more and more of a struggle for people who work 40 hours a week to make ends meet. You can't go to the supermarket today without dropping 100 bucks. It's, it's virtually impossible to do that. Uh, and I'm not talking about buying, you know, 10 frozen pizzas or something like that. I'm talking about milk and eggs and staples, you know, things that you buy uh, to survive. The lines at the food banks are getting longer. Uh, uh, you know, people are, are, are struggling right now. Even though the economy, if you look at it on the whole, is good. Uh, you know, corporations are making money, but there has to be something more equitable. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There have been offers by the big three ranging from, I think, uh, 18% in Ford's case. I think they're the highest offer to around 14% for Stellantis. Stellantis, uh, which is Chrysler and Jeep, is probably the manufacturer that can most afford to weather a strike. They have the highest volume of vehicles on hand. Uh, they have, I, I don't know what the day supply is that they have, but it's, it's pretty, pretty big. It's a, it's a large supply of vehicles. So they could probably weather, uh, I, I think they have like a 60 day supply of vehicles around Ford GM less. Uh, they have, but they, they probably have around a 30-day supply of vehicles, and that's pretty much because the Jeeps right now and, and Stellantis vehicles aren't selling as well as they would like them to. This strike does not affect Tesla, uh, Kia, Hyundai, Honda, uh, 
BMW, Toyota, any of the manufacturers, even the uh, foreign manufacturers that build cars in America do not have union representation in their factories. So they will continue to build cars and continue to be able to supply their dealers as best they can with vehicles, uh, which is going to create a conundrum for people that want to buy a Ford, Chevy, or Ram pickup truck, because now those people uh, that want to, that especially in those vehicles, which are traditionally vehicles that Americans uh, buy, they are loyal to their pickup trucks. It, it's the vehicle that and we've said this, you know, talked about this many times with Tim Estadal and with Jill Simonello from Pickup Truck Talk and SUV Talk. Uh, the, the most loyalty you see in a vehicle is to a pickup truck. If chances are, if you drive a Chevy pickup truck, your father, your grandfather drove a Chevy pickup truck. If you drive a Ford, if you drive a, a, a Chrysler or a, a Dodge Ram, chances are that somebody in your family uh, that you looked up to drove that make of pickup truck. It's uh, and now I'm not saying that that Toyotas and and Nissans and and uh, other trucks are are bad trucks. There's just the strongest loyalty to a brand that you see is in that truck category. So if people need a truck and they can't get a Ford or a GM or a Ram, what's their next option? They're going to go over to Toyota. Uh, now they have their own unique problem in that they're having trouble supplying their dealers with vehicles. Um, it's ridiculous how tough, or Honda, I should mention also Honda, uh, because they make a, a pickup truck that's a, a really nice, it's a lighter duty pickup truck, but I've driven it, and it's, uh, it's a fine pickup. It works great. It's probably the most car-like out of the, the foreign manufacturer pickup trucks, but still, it's a good, you know, it's a good solid pickup truck. Will people that need a new truck start to move over and sample those brands? And it'll basically be Honda and Nissan, because uh, Toyota, from what I understand, is sold out or you know close to sold out on most of their vehicles. Difficult time to get a Toyota right now. Um, so anyway, for... The UAW right now, I think it behooves them to get down to some kind of negotiation that can get their workers back to work. Uh, I don't know that the automakers took the UAW seriously, but they have a new president, uh, Sean Fain, I believe his name is, and he is uh, probably the most visible, the most active UAW president since Walter Ruther back in the 60s. Go look up your Wikipedia. R-E-U-T-H-E-R, -E -E Walter Ruther. Uh, but that was a time when uh, there was a lot of labor discourse 
a lot of uh, disenchantment with the big three manufacturers and uh, the companies had to fight for everything they got. And they got a lot because times were great. Times maybe not so great right now. Auto business is in a big mode of transition. And how will that transition work out? Where will that transition lead to? Well, you know, right now it's leading to electric cars. Uh, The companies are spending massive amounts of money to develop these cars for the future. Uh, In the case of Ford, they're losing money on their electric cars, but they look at it as, hey, we're losing money now uh, on these cars, but at some point, when we get the technology where we need to get it, when we get the marketing, when we get different things set up the way we want to get it set up, that we will make a ton of money on these cars. And I believe that to be true. I think that that's something that you're going to see uh, pretty pretty quickly in that people are going to uh, – people are, uh, are going to, you know – as the infrastructure gets better, buy more electric cars. And you'll see that uh, they, they do start to become profitable. One of the problems you have with electric cars right now is that they are all high-end cars for the most part. Uh, you know, it is tough to find an electric car under $50,000. And you're more in the sixty dollars or $70,000 range to buy an electric car. And I don't know that people are ready for that yet. So that's another thing. But, you know, the people I know that bought the Bolt um, have, uh, to a person, said that it's uh, it's one of the best cars they've ever owned. It's well built. Uh, it uh, The range is true. It is, uh, it's, a, it's a good car. It, uh, it, it fills that need. And, and matter of fact, so much so, that Chevrolet had said that they were going to not make the Bolt anymore, which is their electric car. They have changed their mind, and you'll see now a second-generation Chevrolet Bolt coming along. I don't know the, 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 all the details on it, but it, it will uh, come about here in the not-too-distant future, so we'll let you know about that. Also, the big story uh, in uh, automotive this week is the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, that is going full blast in Detroit, and it is uh, it's odd that you would have this strike going on at the same time as the auto show, uh, because it kind of puts a thorn in the side of the automakers. This is their big event, the Detroit Auto Show. This is the home, the home turf, if you will, the home field, and they have UAW workers and Bernie Sanders running up and down the street in front of uh, the Detroit Convention Center, uh, you know, protesting the people that are showing off the cars inside. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a strange new world. But that's what you see if you go to the streets of uh, Detroit these days. I had, did not get a chance to go to Detroit this year. This year. I haven't got, you know, they changed the auto show. It used to be in January. And it was, the, you know, it was like, okay, everybody go to Detroit in January. Well, they decided that that wasn't what they wanted to do. So they changed it to 
uh, I don't know, it was July or something like that. And now they've changed it again to September. Uh, I'm not sure that they 100% know what they uh, what they want to do. But it's one of those shows that if you ever get a chance to go, you should go and you should see it. It's, um, it's like I said, it's the home field for uh, Detroit and the uh, big three auto manufacturers. And they really uh, put on a show there. I'll be interested to talk to, we're supposed to talk to our friend John Vincent uh, from U.S. News and World Report this morning. He is at the auto show and he can talk about some of the vehicles that have been premiered there, including a new Ford F-150, which is a, a much anticipated vehicle. I guess there's a new tailgate on this thing that uh, John will have to tell us about. And I'll be uh, anxious to see exactly what that uh, or how that works out. So we'll take a um, we'll take a quick break here. And um, we will come back with John Vincent in uh, just a mere matter of moments. It is uh, Saturday morning. It's Drive Time Radio here on 1150 KKNW. Well, 56 is almost gone. Only three more days. We made a lot of friends, sold a lot of Chevrolet. But let's not wait till New Year's Eve at some time past 11. Let's go explore what lies in store for 1957. May 57 bring you all its best along the way. Good health, good friends, good times galore in your new Chevrolet. The big buy in the low price field will win in any test. All point by point comparisons show Chevy leads the rest. Enjoy the special air of springtime, clean and new. Enjoy it every bit as much inside your Chevy, too. The outside air can breeze right through this brand new intake vent, improving air supply as much as 22%. May friends add to your happiness, and may days be filled with fun. And may you often have a chance to choose your favorite one. In Chevrolet, you have a choice no other car can touch. Five engines, five transmissions. Only Chevy has so much. And may you reap the harvest of the highways across the land. And when again the end of one more year is close at hand, and you count all the good things that you gained along the way, perhaps the best of all the rest will be your Chevrolet. And although our show is far from being over, on behalf of your authorized Chevrolet dealer, let me wish you a very happy New Year. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. All right, back with you on Drive Time Radio. Bjorg Vinny hanging out with you. We get to welcome in an old friend and a good guy and a, a guy who uh, was in Detroit to see what was going on there at the auto show and probably a little bit of union action as well. Uh, our good friend from U.S. News and World Report and the uh, president emeritus of the Northwest uh, 
uh, Automotive Press Association. John Vincent is with us. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. That uh, that makes me sound important, which I'm not. Uh, you are, John. You're more important than you'll ever know to so many of us out here who uh, are trying to find our way as automotive journalists, man. How is uh, How are you this morning, first of all? You okay? I am good. It's been a long week, but I'm good. Good, good, good. That is, that's always good to hear. We always got to make sure, every, you know, these days you want to make sure everybody is doing okay. How is the city of Detroit doing uh, right now? I mean, I, I would have to think that uh, it must have been a bizarre scene uh, to see the, uh, you know, everything that Detroit has to offer in the auto show at the, uh, at the uh, co-host center and, and, and the other places that they're holding it, the different parties. And then on the other side of the street, you have the UAW, uh, you know, marching down the street and going on strike uh, on Thursday night. It was interesting. Um, the the uh, strike and the union activity definitely overshadowed what used to be America's biggest auto show. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the big pop of the showstopper of everything. And from everything that I'm seeing, uh, it's a it's a shadow of its former self. Was it is it just the union activity and the threat of a strike, or are we seeing what we've seen with other auto shows that? They're smaller and um, less, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know, less grandiose than they have been in the past. Yes, the auto show world has definitely changed since the pandemic. Um, the Detroit Auto Show, um, also known as the North American International Auto Show, was tiny compared to what it used to be. Uh, the big three still had a strong presence, but... There were many, many brands that weren't on the show floor, or if they were, they were just there with a couple of vehicles supplied by local dealers and no manufacturer support. Um, it was actually a, a little quiet and a little sad um, to see what used to be a huge show so, so tiny. Well, yeah, this used to be the place where you would go and gather up, uh, you know, 10 stories out. I mean, between talking to executives and looking at new models and finding different things that, uh, uh, you know, that was happening in the automotive world, the rumors. And, I mean, we learned so much about electric cars in at, at the auto shows before the pandemic. That's where we, I mean, that and autonomous cars, but that's where, uh, you know, media would go and not only schmooze with each other, but get a chance to uh, spend a couple of minutes with executives and different designers and so on and so forth and get a chance to come back and report and talk about what the future was of, uh, of Detroit and of the automotive business. It sounds like now um, you were even hard-pressed to find an executive, and if you did, the only thing they would be impressed on uh, was the strike and not much about uh, what is the future of uh, cars in this country. It's very true. The auto show um, in the la over the last few years has shifted from um, being focused on the media for the first few days of the show and then shifting to consumers to a much stronger consumer um, look. And the automakers can talk to the media in different ways now. So instead of having multi-million dollar press conferences on, on auto show floors where they don't necessarily get to control their audience, 
they can actually focus their efforts a little bit better on the specific journalists they want to talk to and want to have spread their news um, without spending a tremendous amount of money like they would have to at an auto show. Right, right. I mean, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, to put one of those, if you've ever been to one, you know, the bill for coffee and uh, and and uh, cake at those press conferences, or the shrimp, or whatever they're serving up alone, will probably feed a small city for a couple of years. Uh, you know, you would just see, I, I, and it's sad because it probably puts a number of people out of work in Detroit that you would work at those things as servers and and union people that would move stuff around and, and, and all of that kind of uh, stuff that goes along with a, uh, a show like that as well. Absolutely. Probably put hundreds out of work um, when the show is on a single floor. Um, it doesn't even use the entire convention center. And it used to use every square inch of what is now called Huntington Place Convention Center. Oh, well, good Good that they changed the name. Every time I saw the Coho Convention Center, I thought I was looking for a salmon uh, to go running, uh, running around the convention center or something like that. So uh, that's a good thing. What? Uh, and we're talking to John Vincent from U.S. News & World Report here on Drive Time Radio. Um, what excited you? I mean, I mean, it had to be some. I mean, I know that they had the electric Stingray out there and a Mustang GTD, a couple of Halo cars. Uh, what did you see that really excited you? Well, um, the big reason, the biggest car in the show was the new F-150, uh, the 2024 model. It's a fairly minor refresh of the current model, but it has some innovative features, including a pretty trick new tailgate with a uh, swing open door in the middle of it that allows you easy access to the bed without having to drop the tailgate or swing the entire door open. Um, it's, it's pretty neat uh, what they're doing with tailgates these days. Yeah, it really is. I looked at a, uh, a picture of it, a little film of it. Yeah, it looks, uh, looks like they've, uh, you know, Ford was the first one, if I remember right, to put that step in the tailgate where you could pull it out and step up on it and get you to access the tailgate like that. And uh, But lately, they seem to have fallen behind a little bit in the tailgate technology. And we laugh, you know, tailgate technology. But if you're buying a pickup truck, that's something that you're looking at, right? How do I? How, how is it easier for me to get into bed? Absolutely. And with the size of the new trucks, it's not like you can reach over the sidewall and get stuff out of the bed anymore. If you want to get something from the bed of the pickup, you have to climb up inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, the days when they need the step side, uh, and they don't make it anymore, which is... Uh, you know, the truck that you used to see with the little step on the side that you could step on it and reach into the bed of the truck. But, you know, that's gone the way of, uh, of, of everything. How is that truck? Is it, uh, is it exciting or is it just kind of a rehash of what we've seen already? It's a very minor refresh. Um, but, you know, they have improved it in a lot of little tiny ways that, um, you know, it's, it's part of the F-Series, which is, the top-selling vehicle in America for 46 years running. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's a really, really good truck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a, uh, you know, anybody who's driven one, it, it, it kind of, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it and Ram seems to be, uh, you know, the, the, the two trucks that people talk about. I don't know what's going on with Chevy and what they're doing. I saw that there's a, a new GMC Acadia that looks larger 
than any Acadia I've ever seen. But, um, you know, again, that's not a pickup truck. That's an SUV. But it seems that Chevy has kind of fallen behind a little bit in uh, these trucks, maybe concentrating uh, a lot on the electric Silverado and not so much on the truck that most people are going to buy. Well, I think that Chevy is still, you know, number two in sales um, to the Ford F-Series. Um, so they do have a strong contender in the market. I, it, it might not be my favorite truck. Um, I actually prefer the uh, the Ram. I think the Ram is fantastic, um, even though it's fairly late in its product cycle. But um, Chevy, Chevy does a good job, and the, the truck's can haul a ton. I mean, the, what a light-duty pickup truck can do today is amazing compared to what light-duty pickup trucks could do even a decade ago. Well, and it is amazing because these trucks have become, I mean, we call them light-duty, but, you know, you look at a cab of a of a pickup truck these days, and it's on a par with a, an F600 that you would have seen uh, 20 years ago. I mean, it's, they're, they're huge, they're big, uh, they pull a ton, and they're surprisingly, I think, fuel efficient. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, and that's one place where Chevy does have some leadership. In the, the diesel uh, Chevy light-duty pickup truck, that truck uh, gets fantastic mileage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, what is it like walking through an auto show where you, it's hard to find an auto? I mean, it's a lot of trucks, a lot of SUVs, a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of big vehicles. But to find a car, uh, I don't think there's an American car now that goes for under uh, under $30,000 anymore. Um, is there much buzz about that or is that just what the, uh, I mean, America has kind of given up on that particular market? Um, in a lot of ways, they have. Chevy still has a couple of cars um under thirty thousand, um, with the tax credits, you can get a Chevy Bolt EV for under thirty thousand. The Chevy Spark is under thirty thousand, but really, the market's moving into some really good, low-cost uh, crossovers, um, and even a pickup. Um, there's the Ford Maverick pickup for less than thirty thousand dollars. Is you know all the pickup that most pickup buyers need if they're you know, if they're a general consumer that's not using it for work, the little Maverick is is great. Yeah, I, I, I've driven that truck a couple of times, and I think it's, uh, uh, you know, for anybody who doesn't need uh, to load up, uh, you know, 100 bales of hay in the back of their truck uh, or, or pull a barn down or something like that, that Maverick is, is a, a tight vehicle. It's all a truck you need, really. If you think yeah, you about throw it, a couple uh, mountain you know, biking it, back, head off to the trailhead. It's great. Yeah, yeah. For uh, you know, for uh, for what it is, Ford has hit the nail on the head. Any word about um, the Subaru or Toyota or uh, Chevy uh, competitors for that truck? I know that there's um, there's a lot of buzz around about different uh, smaller trucks, but we haven't seen anything solid from the manufacturers yet, or have we, and it's at that show? There's, there's a lot of talk. <laughs> like you said, there's a lot of talk. And so far, the only real competitor in that marketplace is the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is a very different vehicle than the Maverick. It's around the same size, 
but uh, Santa Cruz is essentially a Hyundai Tucson SUV with a bed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, uh, some people uh, will not even call it a truck. I mean, if it has a bed, to me, it's a truck. Uh, but I'm an El Camino guy. You know, I mean, I've owned, I've owned El Caminos in my life, and I love those type of cars that are, you know, half, uh, <laughs> like in the old Nick Lowe song, half a boy and half a man. It's, you know, half a pickup, <laughs> half a car. Yep, I will call them a pickup. I won't call the Santa Cruz a truck. I yeah, can't do it. it. Yeah, there's, there's, and, and I think that's a a pretty popular opinion among uh, among journalists. Let's talk about the uh, the strike a little bit. Um, what in talking to people around uh, the uh, the auto show, did, did you get any sense of how long this thing is going to last, or what we're uh, what we're looking at and and how it's going to affect the big three as really as opposed to the uh you know to the other manufacturers that are non-union and can go out and still build cars this uh this labor dispute was going to end in a strike it it was never going to be settled ahead of a strike um the uaw the united auto workers has a new president um cleaning up some Pretty bad stuff that's been going on in the union for the last few years. And um, he's making his mark by setting a very high bar that there's no way that the automakers are going to agree to. Um, That said, the automakers are getting tremendous profits right now, so the workers should absolutely share in those profits. The problem is that it's so cyclical that the automakers cannot build in the costs that the unions are asking for right now and be able to survive in the next downturn. So there's going to be a happy medium somewhere in between, but right now the positions are pretty extreme. Given that there, that it's, it's clear to most people that watch this, that there is a, a place somewhere where everybody can get together. And I do realize that the new president of, the union has to um, assert himself as a as a power and somebody who is reforming the union and getting rid of uh, some of the bad stuff that has happened in the last uh, few years with the union. That that um, I think that all of those factors together uh, will probably mean a strike of of maybe fourteen days, something like that, but a short strike. D- do you see that, or do you see something a lot longer on the horizon? You know, it's hard to say, and it's um, because you're dealing with the union and three different automakers who could all come to different conclusions. So the strike might be short for GM and longer for Ford and Stellantis, or vice versa. Um, I tell you, if I were a southern governor or the president of Mexico, I would be salivating right now. Because yeah. I can go out to any automaker, any startup battery company, and say, you know what? This won't happen in our state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, most of the southern states are right-to-work states where uh, you don't have, you know, the unions have no none, if any, power. And certainly in Mexico, uh, there are unions, but, again, not as powerful as uh, the UAW is here, and the UAW is in the Midwest. I mean, they're virtually going to shut down uh, three or four states 
uh, in the Midwest and and cause some uh, some economic harm. So you know, hopefully they will cooler heads will prevail. Everybody will show the the power and strength that they want to show, and they'll get these people back to work because the strike is going to benefit nobody except maybe Stellantis because they have a large supply of vehicles on hand. They they have vehicles around, but Ford, General Motors do not have the number of vehicles that Stellantis has. And after uh, two or three weeks, you know, they're going to start to run out of vehicles. And will that force people to look at Toyota, look at Nissan, look at even uh, Tesla um, as, a, as an alternative to one of the to one of the big three. I mean, I could see that happening pretty easily. Yep. And the, the other problem with, with an extended strike is it doesn't just affect the automaker. It doesn't just affect their workers, but the communities they're in. You know, the person in the, in the coffee shop that loses their job because there's nobody coming through in the morning, they don't get strike benefits. They're just right. out. Um, pe- people who don't have money can't spend money to keep their communities going. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty bad situation. John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report. Before I let you go, John, um, I would like to. Uh, I know you uh, you put it on Facebook, but I would like to for on the air uh, formally congratulate you as you have been chosen as one of the people who the car companies will be sending uh, various and sundry prizes to their house to try to get them, get you to, uh, to influence you to vote for their car as a North American car of the year, which you are now a juror of. So congratulations, John. Thank you for that. Hopefully um, I won't be uh, getting sent those things to try and influence me. Um, but uh, I'm really honored to be part of uh, the car of the year jury. Because the what's what's known in the industry as the Nactoy Award is the award that every automaker strives to get. Right, right. This is this is this is the big papa. This is the one that they want to use in their advertising, and that they uh, they so uh, you, you know it means something. This award more than anything. Not that our uh, Mudfest awards or Utility Vehicle of the Year awards don't mean anything, but this is the one that the automakers spend the most money on. Uh, make sure that uh, that all the information about it gets out there to the jurors and make sure that uh, it's important to them. The, the, the president of these companies, the presidents, the CEOs, uh, you know, they want to see that award on their desk uh, when it's uh, given out uh, in, what is it now, February, right? They give it out, I think. Uh, um, January. We uh, announced January, our uh, yeah. finalist next month at the Los Angeles Auto Show. And then the... Um award winners in January, I believe. Well, congratulations, John. I, I couldn't think of a better person to serve as a juror. I will be looking forward to hearing uh, and reading uh, your stuff in U.S. News and World Report, but also to seeing you at our uh, big uh, NOAPA event coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yep, and I'm out uh, running routes to make that the best event ever uh, this morning. Well, just make sure that you don't get get messed with by the cops out there. Tell them we're coming and to take the day off. I'll tell them there's this guy who's going to be here in a couple of weeks that's really going to be speeding. He's the one you want to get. Yeah, and his name is Nick. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, listen, good to talk to you, man. You take care of yourself. Thank you, Vinny. Have a good morning. All right. That's a, all right. That's our good friend, John Vincent from U.S. News. 
and World Report talking about the Detroit Auto Show and uh, the strike that is going on right now. Again, as uh, the latest update is is that people are meeting, uh, the union, uh, the uh, manufacturers are meeting. They're sitting down at a conference table, and hopefully something good will come from that uh, this weekend or early next week. Uh, as, as John said, and I believe, a, a long strike benefits nobody except uh, the manufacturers who don't manufacture in Detroit. This is crucial for the uh, American automotive industry. All right, let's jump into our cartoon of the week. I dug to try to find something that uh, paid tribute uh, to the American auto worker, and the best I could do was a tune that we played a few years ago, uh, but I thought we'd uh, we'd repeat it. We'd do it again in honor of uh, all the people who are out there on the picket lines this morning. It's Johnny Cash. Uh, yes, Johnny Cash, the man in black, uh, singing about his time as an auto worker on this week's cartoon. 63, 64, there you go, the great Johnny Cash with one piece at a time, one part at a time. It is uh, <laughs> a great uh, tune about, uh, about I guess, the way auto workers might be able to get themselves even working for the car companies, although uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I could imagine it's probably somebody at some time who has uh, snuck out vehicle parts from a factory. I mean, it's only natural that that's happened. I don't know if anybody's done enough to assemble a car, but I can imagine after hearing that song, uh, there were some people who probably tried to do something kind of like that. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, it is Drive Time Radio. That's our Saturday morning cartoon. That's brought to you uh, every week. We try to put a little music in your life here on the show. It's a car-related tune on Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, you can find them on Spotify. Just put in Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny, Saturday morning cartoon, into the search, and you'll find our complete list. Uh, not complete. I mean, it's something I haven't put up there yet, some in the future. To, but this is a pretty good list. I mean, it's a road trip's worth of a list in, in, on Spotify for uh, our cartoon. I want to remind you that our good friend George Jackson uh, always participates in this show, GJP Promotions. If you need um, items for your business, you know, the holidays are coming up, uh, you want apparel, you want uh, some kind of chotkeys to give away, uh, stickers, uh, whatever it is that you need, uh, T-shirts uh, for your uh, charity event or anything like that, George Jackson, uh, my good friend, uh, makes those things up. He is a great guy to do business with. He's a personal friend, and he is uh, a guy that uh, that gets you the uh, thing you want, how you want it, and when you want it. And when you have promotion stuff going on, that's what you need, right? You need somebody who gets it and keeps their word and delivers it. George does exactly that. You can find him on Facebook at George Jackson Promotions. Uh, or you can go to gjpromo.com. That's gjpromo.com. And whether you need a patch, uh, on uh, patch, uh, a decal, uh, something nice to give out for your desk or home office or anything, quality stuff, a good price, and delivered when you need it delivered. That's what George does. Uh, and at an unbeatable price. So go check them out, my good friend George Jackson. All right, time now for to check in with Nathan, uh, our producer, who's been running a little busy this morning. I've been making Nathan run ragged. 
a little bit. Nathan, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, Vinny. And I had to do some running. I didn't have softball yesterday, so I had to get my weekly exercise. So thank you for fulfilling that need for me. Well, good. We kept you, you know, we, we, we kept, I tried to, uh, you know, do everything on the fly uh, this morning so that, uh, you know, because <laughs> just not in the car. In, uh, say again? Just not in the car. No flying cars. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I was reading a thing about the Detroit Auto Show. And again, they're talking about flying cars. Israel has built one. Um, and I guess they have a company that's just trying to build them. There's another company and they're showing them off at the Auto Show. I'm sorry, pal. I don't see it. I mean, you're younger than me. Do you? I mean, you think in your lifetime you'll see? I, I mean, the way you you look at four o five or five o'clock on any given night, do you think any of those people should behind the be behind the wheel of a flying car? I mean, in the head, it's a really good idea, but in practicality, it's going to be causing a pretty big mess, I believe. I just see people not being able to leave their houses without a helmet on, you know. <laughs> Yards of, of metal flying around, and I don't know. It just seems like uh, you're putting lethal weapons in. Uh, I mean, you're doing that with a car anyway, but certainly when you uh, do it with a flying car, you're mm-hmm. given, uh, you, you know, you're giving people uh, the opportunity to screw up on a level that, uh, well, it's very, at the very least, you'll be able to sit in your porch. And just watch it all happen if you live near the freeway, right? Yeah, just leave it to the Jetsons, right? It's a good idea for George and Jane, but I don't know about uh, about me if I'm going to go out of the house after there's a flying car. Everything else okay with you this week, uh, Nathan? Yeah, you, just fine. Uh, everything's going well. And um, yeah, the, uh, just keeping an eye on those scoreboards for the MLB and seeing how the Mariners can do. I mean, at this point... <laughs> I got to say, it's probably they got to give up uh, going for the division and just focus on securing a wild card spot. Yeah, uh, it's it's starting to look like that. Uh, Although, again, three weeks left. So, you know, and and they're playing the teams that they got to play. They just don't look strong Mm -hmm. against uh, against the good teams. I mean, they go in and they beat up a Mets. So they go in and they beat up a Kansas City. Uh, but then when it comes to uh, 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 even beat up Houston, maybe that's the salvation. Yeah, I mean, they we got a good track games. record against them on the regular season so far. Yeah. So if they I can mean, keep the that momentum going. Against, yeah, so maybe that's the thing right there is that they play Houston enough. But, you know, you you, you got to lay the, the weaker teams to waste. And, uh, you know, last night, I mean, they were competitive against the Dodgers. It's not that they got blown out, but in the end, uh, the Dodger, you know, the Dodgers are a, are a World Series contender. I mean, that's a, that's what you're going to see in the playoffs. That type of team, each and every year, they're like that. Yeah, uh, so so you have to be able to beat that type of team. Now we'll see what happens. Got two games left, and I hate the Dodgers. So I mean, mm. I'm, all of my hate mojo is <laughs> is going against the Dodgers. It's just family tradition for us to not like the Dodgers. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> As my as my old man used to say, I hate the Dodgers. You know, because they left Brooklyn when he was a Dodgers fan. So mm. he was, oh my god, you couldn't. You, the guy was, um, oh my father was, boy. You know, he went. I never seen anybody go from loving some but something to hating something in such a a boom. I mean, faster than the downfall of Rudy Giuliani. It, it, it's just kind of strange. 
Anyway, uh, you got a question you might want to ask me. Yes, Vinny, got to get it before we're done here. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? I had a little voice oh, crack I'm in I'm driving there. a great car this week. <laughs> uh, Nathan, I'm driving something that you would love to be driving. I'm driving the 2024 Subaru Outback Sport Edition, the Crosstrek. Not outside, I said Outback, I'm sorry. The Crosstrek Sports okay. Edition. And the Crosstrek, I mean, this really, this is a car that they, uh, the 2024 is is just out. It's improved. They did a lot of minor tweaking things to it. So it's basically the same car uh, it has always been. But they've made some nice improvements to it, a bigger screen in the middle. Uh, they got rid of the manual transmission, which I don't like because the engine is not the most powerful in the world. But if you are actually considering going off-road, taking it off the asphalt uh, to go up to the cabin or go up a trailer, do something like that. I don't know that you can do better than the Crosstrek. Uh, I mean, it uh, it has a nice clearance above the, uh, the ground so that you can get over rocks and stumps and things like that. It is, um, while not as, uh, as um, comfortable as maybe some of the vehicles out there, it still has uh, for an off-road vehicle, a great on-road presence, uh, you really feel that the vehicle uh, will serve you on-road where you're going to be most of the time and yet feel strong off-road. Uh, lots of storage, lots of places to put stuff, which is always important in vehicles like this, water bottles, stuff like that. 20 cubic feet of space with the rear seats up, 55 with the rear seats folded down. And again, the vehicle uh, rated at 28 MPG in the city, 34 MPG on the highway, but it moves okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's a it's a weak engine or anything like that. It's just that it's not a race car. This is a car that's built for you to put your knapsack and stuff in the car, and um, uh, you know, and go for a nice uh, a nice hike or a nice ride in the country. That's what this car is built for. It's a sharp looking car. And uh, especially the sport edition with these gold touches and uh, gold accents. I think it's a very, very good looking car. Uh, roof racks, sunroof, everything like that. So you can tie your stuff to the roof, put racks on the roof uh, for your bicycles and things like that. And really uh, go to town with this car. Uh, nice improvements on the interior too. The front seats are much more comfortable than previous cross treks. Um, you know, they're just, uh, they've reconfigured them and made them more supportive, more comfortable. You can get leather seats in this car, but don't get the leather seats. Do yourself a favor, get the cloth seats with the nice accents in them, and it'll be just fine, just comfortable and nice and heated. Um, again, great car. Uh, I think this car goes for the sport edition goes for about the uh, 34. 4,000, somewhere in that neighborhood, 32,210 as tested. Um, and uh, again, if you're an off-roader, if you're somebody that wants to mix it up, go off-road sometimes, on-road the other times, this is, uh, you can't do better than this. Everybody I know that owns one of these vehicles loves it. It's the Subaru Crosstrek. The Wilderness Edition is coming down the pike here soon, so keep your eye open for that as well. Keep your eyes open for us again next week as well as uh, we are going to wrap this edition of Drive Time up. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Nathan and everybody who uh, took part in the show. We'll catch up with you next week at uh, 8 o'clock if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Have a good one.